This is the Mobile Tech Podcast, brought to you by worldpodcasts.com. Now here's your host, tech girl, Miriam Joie. Brought to you by Audible. Stay tuned for a special offer at the end of the show. Hi, and welcome to the Mobile Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Joie, and today is Friday, July 30th, 2021, and my guest is the one, the only, the excellent Jason Howell of Twit. Hi, Jason. How are you? I'm awesome. How you doing, Miriam? Thank you so much for the invite. I'm super great. Yeah, thanks for being here. I know it's like probably feels like another job for you because unlike my other guests, you know, you're doing podcasts for a living all the time. So <laughs> it makes it real easy to drop in on something like this and just kind of hit the ground running, I suppose. But uh, yeah, I talk a lot and I don't mind talking today with you. I love it. Oh, thanks so much. Yeah. I mean, look, you're you're always welcome to be on my show. You know that. And uh, it's always a delight. So we have a bunch of news today as you know some of it is like not like the kind of news you might focus on because it's uh, some chinese phones and stuff sure but i think it's interesting and mostly i want to start with something you just recently reviewed on twitch you've been doing uh like video reviews again yeah. and uh the the google pixel buds a series i have a review in it so i have some thoughts but walk us through what they are what the deal is and how they differ from the previous ones, which were also pretty good, but maybe had connectivity issues. Did you have connectivity issues? Because I did. Yes, I absolutely definitely um, experienced connectivity issues with the Pixel Buds, the original. Well, not I guess they're not the originals. I guess they're the second gen. The originals yeah. had that weird little wire oh, between them. They don't count. In my <laughs> they don't opinion. count as part. Yeah. That's that's the, uh, the 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 first movie that you don't think of. You just think of the, the awesome sequel. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so, so the pixel buds, the original ones had the connectivity. I think that was the biggest complaint outside of the com connectivity issues. I actually always really loved the, the pixel buds too. Um, but the connectivity issues were enough of a pain in the butt that it made me not reach for them first. I would always reach for the Jabra elite 85 T's. Those are my pretty much yeah. hands down go-to's. Uh, those are my dependables. But then the Pixel Buds Series A came out, and obviously the deal here is that these are less expensive, 99 bucks. So this is this is essentially this is Google taking its uh, A series approach that we're used to seeing in their Pixel phones right. now with mm -hmm. the 3A and the 4A and applying it to the earbuds. And I would say, I mean, from my from my time with them, and I still use them on a regular basis, I did get a review unit from Google. So these are not mine, but Google sent them, and I'm still using them. Because the like they figured out how to once again with the A series take the magic, the things that you actually really like about the full priced uh, originals, yeah. and and cut that price down and get rid of the things that really, t at least to me, don't matter a whole lot. You know, like yeah. the wireless charging. I never use that anyways. I know critical. people are super big on wireless charging and stuff. I, I, I have a hard time um, getting myself in the in the habit of it. And besides, like the case carries enough charge that like I'm hardly charging it anyways. So it just really doesn't matter to me. I would agree with you. I'm a big gung-ho about wireless charging on phones, but I feel less passionate about it for uh, earbuds. It's a, just yeah. a nice to have. And at $99, it's not what I was expecting to have anyway. So No, you know, totally. And I, I, what I really like about them is the sound. Like yes. I look, I know you and I probably on the same page on this a lot versus a lot of people out there. We both like, you know, we both come from an audio background and we mm -hmm. both like a very neutral presentation. Like if I want to add bass, I should be able to EQ the crap out of this. If I want to make it sound slightly different, but at, you know, we need some reference of some kind. And 
honestly, for me, there's always that first time I put earbuds on, right? And I, and I go like, okay, I will not need to EQ these. That's my, that's my test. If I, mm-hmm. they can pass that test, you know, I mean, sure, there's going to be variations in soundstage imaging and all that. But if they can pass that, I do not need to EQ these out of the box test winners. And yeah. guess what? In my opinion, I feel that way about the previous Pixel Buds, but also these. And, and yeah. that is, if you're somebody who loves audio and is picky about this, this is a good choice because of that, regardless of everything else. Yeah, I mean, you're looking at a price point of 99 bucks, and the true wireless earbuds, I mean, you know, all you have to do is go on Amazon and you'll see that the prices are all over the map. Anything that's in the $30, $40 range, I mean, is is better than nothing, but, you know, you're probably, you're probably going to be sacrificing at least a few major things in order to get there. There are some that, you know, that are able to buck that trend, but 99 bucks, as far as I'm concerned, is an excellent price for truly dependable good sounding true wireless earbuds. And I think that's exactly what the Pixel Buds Series A are. They made them with lesser, well, I let's put that in air quotes, lesser materials. They made it with all plastic <laughs> yeah, instead of having yeah. some some metal, you know. So there's uh from that perspective, you know, some people might look at that as a downside, but honestly, it makes them lighter. They're a little bit smaller. I would say they're a little bit more comfortable in my ears. Um the thing that you don't have, if I remember correctly, is the swiping up and the swiping yeah. down for volume, which I never really use some people are really not gonna like that for me it's not a huge deal but I, no. I can see some people like i tend to reach for my phone for more than like play pause and you know i don't like for me the if i had to like hierarchically name the controls like i think play pause you know maybe google assistant and uh, maybe, maybe no- mm-hmm. changing noise canceling if you have anc like so you can turn it off to talk to people yeah because yeah, I, yeah. I i i am picky about the positioning of my earbuds so taking one out immediately means i'm gonna have to readjust it later and so i know it's a bit rude but I, if i can have a conversation it's clear to them that they can hear me like if it's just very brief i'll leave them in if it's like more than like 10 seconds yeah. i'll take them out because i don't want to be rude me too but, i'm taking them out as a courtesy as well but that's yes. why i love the sony's for example right like the i mean they're different price point but even the headphones do this where you can cup one ear with your hand and the capacitive thing realizes that you're holding down and it turns off ANC briefly while oh, you're holding it down. Nice. So like, especially on an airplane, like, you know, I think it's, I'm trying to remember which side it is. See, I haven't flown enough. I can't remember anymore, but you, you cup one side like this and then it, it goes into reveal all the sounds and actually amplifies the ambience. So you can actually have a conversation with someone. Yeah, very briefly through. so you know when they're asking do you want a bottle of water as they're walking down the aisle like you you don't have to take off your headphones you can just stop cover and just go so some earbuds have that feature and i love that and and so to me those are the hierarchy like the next track mm-hmm. previous track is probably something i never do on the earbuds themselves it's nice to have but i really don't even need it nah. so i think some people though the volume on the earbuds they want it and so if you that's who you are you're not going to be very happy with those i mean i feel like the the beauty of the pixel buds 2 and then by extension uh the pixel buds series a the the i would say the the killer feature for me has been especially in the pandemic you know when everything shut down if i wanted exercise i was going out for a run and that was right. about the time that the pixel buds 2 came out and i realized just how awesome it is to have hands-free assistant in the earbud itself for uh-huh. for making changes like volume. So if I'm running, I don't have to pull out my phone and make an adjustment. I don't have to like like I you know with the original you don't ones, even have to touch them. Yeah, you uh, yeah, just... it, like swiping while I was running was very inaccurate. Instead, 
that I just say, hey, G, turn volume to 30% and boom, it does it. And being able to do that in that scenario is like game changer. Um, So awesome. So yeah, that, and, no. and you still have that with a Series A. So 100%. Um, yeah. For me, the big issue, the reason I'm not making a Series A, part of my regular rotation is comfort. And I had the same problem oh, with the okay. original uh, Series 2. And I, I noticed I said the original Series 2 because I don't want to count the very original. Yeah. Um, I these the little, the little horn thing that helps you keep it in your ear. Like yeah. I have them here in front of me, but this thing here, right? Like this the little hook. Know, the camera yeah. will pick it up, but this thing is a little. By the way, I looked into cutting it off because it's silicone. It actually is part of the um, audio cavity. It's hollow, <gasps> so it it adds some some sort of audio path. Oh, interesting. That's I've not heard that. So before. I don't think anybody should cut it. First of all, yeah. unless you want to change the way they sound. But the other thing is, yeah, I just I just don't find them as comfortable. I honestly find the stem type of earbuds way more comfortable to me. Mm. Like I don't like having too much inside my, not the canal part, but the part just outside the canal. Yeah, right. And and those are still pretty acceptable to me. Like don't get me wrong, I think like I can wear them for a while, but I compare them to every single earbuds, whether they have a silicone tip or not, that have just the stem. And it's night and day for me, like the comfort. My go-tos, to be frank right now, if I want non-ANC earbuds that are like comfortable and to me sound absolutely phenomenal for the money is here, the OnePlus Buds, not the Z. These are the cool blue green ones that were not sold in the US. Got it. Review unit. These are, they don't have silicone tips. They just sit on your the edge of your ears, just like the original AirPods. And so for some people, that's immediately a no-go. But for me, I know I'm going to get ambient sound with that. No problem. I mean, I'm not really using them in an environment where I need noise canceling. And I have noise canceling. I have another choice for that that I'll get to. But I think that those, to me, if you have a chance to listen to them, Jason, the sound quality on them is, I think, the best of the bunch right now. Interesting. In that sub-99 price point of branded ones. There are a few on Amazon, as you said. Like, Amazon is such a jungle when you come to these. There's so many choices. And you don't want to go there because you're like, am I going to get ripped off, right? Right. And I have a pair here from, I don't remember the name of the company, but for those of you watching on video, I'll put it in the video. And for those of you who are uh, listening, I'll put it in the show notes. But basically, I have one, this pair here, and it's like $49 or something and has ANC, and they sound great, and they're comfortable and everything, and they're no-name brand again. So I think you said that. There are some that will surprise you. These were sent to me because, you know, I get like at least a pair of these True Wireless Chinese earbuds a week sent to me, and, <laughs> yeah. and it's like a lot of them are complete disasters, but these stood out to me. Like I was like, okay, I can live with this. This is fantastic. But anyway, back to the buds. For me, I think that, I think this is a great product if you can deal with the comfort issues, which I have small problems with. Sound is tops. I think battery life is pretty solid too. What's been your experience there? Battery life, yeah, I th- it was fine. I, I would say it was pretty uneventful. Like there was nothing that really, you know, I didn't like about the the longevity. At the same time, I wouldn't say that they were the longest lasting true, you know, true wireless no. earbuds I've experienced either. They're very middle of the road, I would say. You got it. 100%. But it's going to be adequate. I think most people are not going to balk at this. It's totally. Like, you know, if, if you want 10 hours, buy some Buds Plus or Buds Pro or from Samsung. I remember which one. They have insane life, right, yeah, on the Buds yeah. themselves. But again, the Galaxy Buds to me just don't sound as good 
as the Pixel Buds and or as these OnePlus Buds. And again, I want to make it clear to the audience, I'm not talking about the OnePlus Buds Z here or the new Pros that are coming. I'm talking about the ones that originally came out last summer. The original summer. ones, yeah. Yeah. And speaking of $99 Buds, we're going to segue slowly to another product, but I mm-hmm. want to bring up this thing. I've brought it up before, but TCL. Okay, TCL makes earbuds, and these here are the 600 Move Audio S600, and you know they're stem based. These are $99 with ANC. Oh wow! And I believe they have wireless charging as well, and they sound superb. So here's the thing: TCL is kind of like I think the undiscovered little gem of the earbuds world. Every Mm. single pair of earbuds I've ever had from them, from like their $39 all the way to now this $99, has been superb audio-wise. Now, comfort wasn't always there, and some of them didn't have, obviously, ANC, and uh, some of them are don't have silicone tips, and some do, like these uh, these noise-canceling ones do. But do yourself a favor. I can connect you, if you want, Jason, to the folks at TCLPR. You need to get those. They are unbelievably good, all of, all of them, for the money. Wow. And yeah, this $99 price point for- I think um, this is where we're na- going. Noise cancellation. I mean, and this is what we're going to talk about next. But um, yeah, seeing more and more, it seems like the, the active noise cancellation is the feature that's that's now coming in droves to this price point. We're going to see more and more of yeah. it, but it's such a great feature to have. I mean, it's- yeah, not just on like fifty dollars, you no name special Chinese brands right. like the one I showed earlier. And then, of course, if I want the best, I go to this, right? The Sony's, right? Mm-hmm. The WF one thousand XM fours, and they are really big. I find them very uncomfortable because of their size. Yeah. Um, but if I fit them properly, I was on an airplane. I went to Seattle recently. And I decided to bring those instead of my headphones. Well, I had my headphones with me as well, but to actually wear them. And I have to say, we're getting to the point where you might be able to wear earbuds on a flight and get the same level of noise canceling than the best. Getting there for sure. In headphones, yeah. which is incredible. Now, comfort, there's no way I could wear this on a like transcontinental flight. And the battery life wouldn't make it, right? Whereas my actual Sony headphones... Uh, the WH-1000 XM4s, they will last me an entire flight to Asia, right? And yeah. back, in fact, on one charge. Wow. So it's, a, yeah. Yeah, it's 30 hours, right? So, you, you know. Um, but I think, honestly, I think we're at the cusp of, you know, I'm an audio person. Like, nothing beats this, right? I got Bayer Dynamic here plugged in, right? Like, that's what <laughs> I want to do, right? But the reality is when I walk to the corner sh- store to get something, OnePlus Buds, you know, I don't have to worry about ANC. I'm just kind of listening to a podcast. Whatever. Yeah, totally. Different situation. And you know, if I'm on an airplane, I want noise canceling. There's no way. Yeah. I used to wear Edemotics, like in-ear monitors on planes, wired. Mm-hmm. And it was just like every having to disconnect, getting caught, like the cord, having to remove the thing when you're talking to people. Like, you know, the IMs, right? So they're like, I've got custom molds. Like, rem- you know how hard it is to remove those? Mm-hmm. No, none of that happens. So I, I think that, you know, wired is just, I used to be the, the headphone jack all out person. And I'm at the point now, I'm like, I don't know how you feel, Jason, but I'm like, the wireless world we live in, like, especially with like higher end products that support things like Aptex and um, especially the lossless Aptex and uh, LDAC, right? For codecs, like mm-hmm. the sound quality is so, so good that I don't feel like we're losing out too much by not having headphone jacks anymore. I mean, I was a huge, uh, huge hanger on for the headphone jack as well. And at a certain point, I started out of curiosity 
more like from a career, like a career perspective, like ah, I probably should be reviewing some of these just to know instead of like <laughs> yeah, right. talking badly about them all the time because I'm like hanging on to old tech. And uh, it didn't take that long. Of course, the 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 scene, the the landscape of true wireless earbuds has really improved in a short amount of time. Like you said, sound quality's improved, noise cancellation uh, coming, uh, a lot more convenient in connecting, you know, and 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 fast pairing and all that kind of stuff. Now I'm at the point I'm totally like have switched switched camps yeah. where I'm like okay. I don't know why I would use a wired other than if I truly wanted to get like, you know, superior sound out of my thing. But, um, but let's, let's just face it. Like as much as I, as, as important as that is to me and as important as I say that is to me in my day to day, you know, movement through life, I'm not doing a whole lot of that right now. You know, it's a lot yeah, more about yeah. being mobile and being, um, uh, easy to use and, and fluid. So as long as the sound is is not just good enough, but maybe a little bit better. That's kind of where my my level has has landed, and I feel like they've definitely gotten there. Um, yeah, for me, yeah. the sound quality becomes critical. Like, first of all, I need that initial. Okay, the EQ is correct. Right, right. I will not use them unless I can tweak the EQs. Like, the, so the Sony's, for example, they do not sound right to me uh, from the get go. They're a little too bass heavy. Like, it's not a minor fix, but because they have let you EQ in their app, but better than that, the EQ lives inside the earbud processor mm, so the okay. setting in the bud sticks to the earbud so if i yeah. pair them to another phone now i have the same eq right that's a huge deal to me like nobody else is doing that most of the eq happens in phone i want the eq to happen in dsp in the earbud and mm -hmm. sony does that so to me that's why the sony's even though they don't sound perfect to me from the get-go they don't pass my transparency test I can tweak them easily because they're really high-end, so the drives are very flexible. And I tweak them, and it stays in the firmware until I do a factory reset, and I'm done for the life of, for me, That's the great. life of the product, right? Yeah. So, but again, they're $300, and here we are talking about ANC at $99 with the TCLs, and OnePlus is coming out with Buds Pro that are $150, which I thought they were going to do that $99 price point with ANC, right? Because you know how aggressive their pricing is, and yet mm -hmm. they're going more after the the airpods right and and the more pricey ones so it'll be interesting to see how that pans out because here's the segue 99 dollars can get you these nothing ear ones mm -hmm. with wireless charging and anc you know i think the audience knows what's going on here but jason in your great podcast voice walk us through what is nothing what's going on here <laughs> well carl pay uh who was a co-founder of oneplus uh, walked away from OnePlus, uh, what, a year ago, I guess? Yeah, yeah, about that. And everybody's like, why? What's going on? Uh, there have been a lot of, uh, of exits from OnePlus in, recent, in the recent year, so it's been kind of curious. Well, Carl Pei uh, early, you know, started talking about this company that he was, he was building, a hardware company. It was hard to know initially exactly what he was going to do. Everybody just kind of assumed, oh, he's going to do his own phone company, and maybe we'll see that eventually, but started talking uh, publicly about uh, true wireless earbuds as being the first product. I kind of always felt like that was like a, like at, to a certain degree, true wireless earbuds have become a total commodity. And so yeah, exactly. it's kind of like, all right, so you're just going to put on another uh, pair of, you know, and, <laughs> and the differentiator was going to be this, the, the fact that it was, you know, see-through that you could, <laughs> that you could see the circuitry or, so, or whatever underneath. And I mean, now we have them. Um, they were, they were officially announced and then the reviews embargo lifted for the ear one 
earbuds by no, by nothing, which I'm still not used to a company called nothing. It still feels weird every time I say it, but there you go. <laughs> well, thanks for that. Wow. That was such a rundown. I, that's why you're such a pro. Um, but look, the reality is I, I've got a unit coming in. So folks, I will let you know on the show at some point what I think. In the same way as I just told you what I thought of the Pixel Bud A series and the, uh, and the Sonys, which I think are phenomenal once you tune them, right? So my big question with these is going to be the sound. Like, can they deliver what I consider that I do, need, do not need to tweak it sound, right? So we'll find mm-hmm. out. But look, I'm excited not because there's this call pay and it's teenage engineering, which come on, like, you know, sure. we both yeah. love what they've done. Whether you look at Playdate, that little game console with yeah. a little crank, or you yeah, look at the cool. OP1, the, the, which I think is going to become a classic synthesizer if it isn't already. I mean, it's still getting software updates 10 years in. 10 years, guys. <laughs> In synthesizer world, that doesn't seem long, but in tech world, like the the guts of that thing have got to be crusty and old now. And if you look at any video of the OP1 on YouTube, I I wish I had one. They're so expensive, especially secondhand now. They've actually gone up in value. I don't know if you saw, Jason. But Oh, really? But Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. People, because they stopped making them for a while. And they've released a new batch recently, but that, that, that was sold out in a second. But the thing is, have you ever seen how seamless and beautiful the user interface is on this thing? It's got an OLED yeah. panel on it. It yeah. looks like something that came out last year. It's 10 years old, the design. That's pretty impressive. And the logic and the chips that are running the thing. It just blows my mind. So when you have teenage engineering, this your Swedish company behind the engineering and the design of this thing. Like I, yeah. you know, that combo, Carl Pay, and knowing that the investors are people like Casey Neistat who have really good taste and are smart. And, you know, people like Tony Fidel who did the iPod at Apple, right? Like I'd hate to overhype things, but the hype is somewhat justified. But now of course they need to deliver and the reviews seem to be very positive. So I think, for me, it's just past that, does it sound right out of the box test? Because yeah. the design, I mean, it's incredible. Like, do you know, I think it was Marquez who pointed this out on his video yesterday about his review. If you open up a pair of these earbuds I was showing you earlier, all of them, the Pixel Buds, anything, it's all full of glue, right? Like they they held mm-hmm. together by glue. This is also held together by glue, but you it's transparent. So you don't want that glue to be visible. Think about the challenge of manufacturing that in quantity at that price point and have it look that clean and perfect. Like they, you can actually see the components. You can see the circuit board. You can see everything in there. It's kind of insane to me. Now the case is a little less, you know, over the top in terms of its transparency, but also transparency and cool. And wireless mm-hmm. charging, I was not expecting wireless charging at $99. Like Absolutely. honestly, totally agree. ANC, I kind of thought somebody was going to crack. I mean, TCL obviously did. And by the way, the ANC on the TCLs is fine. I just think that it's not Sony good, but whatever. Like again, you know, for me, sound quality becomes only critical, like, like super critical when I'm doing long-term listening or professional mm-hmm. work, right? So that's why I wear the Sonys on these long transcontinental flights because they sound the headphones. They sound so great. But you know, for like an hour, I'll live with not the best EQ. It's fine. So we'll see. For me, the test will be the, the sound. But I think from everyone we've heard so far, right, every review we've read, it seems like design is tops and ANC works fine. It's not the best, but it's acceptable. It's within parameters for $99. For 99 right? bucks, especially. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And then the other thing, and honestly, that's the thing. Like when people say ANC, like I have all a whole bunch of ANC earbuds to play with. And 
it varies widely, like from just very basic to like like Sony level, like everything goes away. And yeah. so you just have to understand that ANC is a bit of a is becoming a bit of a loaded thing. Like there used to be a time when everybody was chasing bows and then Sony eventually surpassed bows, and that became the standard for headphones at least. But in the earbuds world, ANC has a lot of gray area, right? So just mm-hmm. keep that in mind when you buy one of these pairs. And then the other thing is battery life. People are saying, yeah, you know, four hours with ANC, five and a half or so without. To me, that sounds perfectly fine. I don't know about you. Sounds fine. Yeah, absolutely agree. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to getting a pair and I'll let you know, folks. I, I think this is exciting. Look, the reality is everybody is copying Apple. Like you saw the, even of the ones I pulled out, right? Like it's either they all look like Samsung's or they look like Apple's. It's like a blob or yep. a thing with a stick sticking out of your ear, like a Q-tip bent <laughs> yes. over, right? Like the stem, <laughs> right? So, so the reality yep. is nobody's really innovating here in terms of design. And these, of course, are stem, but you just look at them and instantly you're like, okay, this is this is cool. And I think we need that. We need, we need these are very personal items. It's like wearing a smartwatch. You want something that is styling, right? So mm-hmm. if it's your style, Go for it. I think that even before reviewing these, unless there's something drastically wrong with the sound, if you folks are listening, are interested in getting these, just buy them. I think you, I think these are going to be winners, in my opinion. But we'll see. And there have been a lot of reviews that that seem to point in that direction. And for 99 bucks, you could really do a whole lot worse for what it oh looks my God. like. Yeah. I'm hoping to get a, a review new unit on this as well. I'm waiting to hear back. So. I think the big challenge is going to be for those of us who are heavily invested in the Google ecosystem, whether this is a better choice than, uh, you know, maybe an upcoming pair of Google Buds with ANC or, you know, even without ANC. Like I, the fact that the Google Buds, you know, the Pixel Buds A series have some silicone tips means they do have a little bit of passive noise isolation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's the other thing you have to remind. Like if you are looking at earbuds that have some sort of silicone tip, usually if you size it right, you're going to get some reasonable environmental attenuation so you know you don't you might not need anc it really depends on your purposes right absolutely well and and i think that goes back to what you were talking about as far as anc appearing in more and more earphones you're not going to get the same quality of anc but i'd say in general some anc is usually better than no no anc For sure. at all yeah, yeah. right like the the best of the best it's hard to argue why it's so cool but even if it knocks things down like like you said attenuates you know a 15 or 20 db that's that's better than nothing that's that's going to make a market improvement on your listening uh, experience 100% i think it comes down to you know, the health of your hearing, right? I mean, you're going to lower yeah. the volume automatically if you have ANC because you get less interference to your listening. And also it's, um, you know, I think the other thing that it helps with is just, you know, keeping that stress level down, especially if you're running around, like it's already kind of like outside, taking property transit, you got, you got a lot on your mind, like having some peace and quiet in addition to your podcast or music or whatever it is you're piping through those earbuds, it's just going to feel more serene and you're going to benefit from that, right? Basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I should also mention just really quickly, since we've, we've touched a lot of, uh, we've covered a lot of ground as far as like a lot of different types of, of earphones, um, true wireless earbuds. And we've mentioned the randomness that's found on Amazon. I'm sure you've mentioned <laughs> this at some, bo- up some point, but scarbir.com, S-C-A-R-B-I-R.com is a really great site for, for basically, I think it's just some, you know, one person that has taken it upon themselves to review like all of those 
those knockoff, uh, you know, Chinese oh, that's earbuds amazing. and, and really scrutinizes them and can tell you like under a hundred bucks, these are the, the best ones you're going to find on Amazon. So just a cool, uh, kind of place to go if you're actually interested in saving some money and not taking as much of a risk as you can when you're just, you know, buying one of those that you randomly find. Thanks, Jason. This yeah. is why we got you on the show. This is why folks, Jason knows everything. <laughs> yeah, no, we'll check it out. So let's talk phones for a bit. Let's let's start with China and make our way slowly back to the US and US market. Sure. Uh, you know, a lot of my audience is from India and from Asia um, and, and Europe and, you know, basically places that speak English or are fluent in English. And so you know, these phones matter there and they don't matter too much here. But as you know, I kind of like these getting my hands on phones. You can't find as commonly in the U S the Huawei P series has been, you know, the flagship for Huawei for years now. And we were waiting on a flagship for this year, even though they're obviously much more challenged this year in making a flagship with yeah. chip access. And so the P 50 series was finally announced. And I think it's a big deal because, well, Snapdragon 888 instead of a Kirin chip, like what a bomb, right? Mm, yeah, yeah, no kidding. I mean, you know, there's there's a lot of question marks right now for Huawei that continues to be. Um, I yeah, Huawei as a brand is a brand that I have not had hands on access in quite a while because you know it just doesn't uh, appear. You know, through through our show, we talk a lot about what Huawei could be or what could have happened if things worked out differently for them. And man, yeah. I just feel so bad for the company because the quality of their hardware, these phones included, things just look awesome. And I, you know, I'm sure there are in other parts of the world, it's not as much of as, as an inhibiting factor, but not having Google um, as part of this relationship. I know they're trying to do the best that they can, but my goodness, that what a, what a way to cripple a company. Yeah, it's it's hurting for sure for them. And then there's Harmony US, right? Like I, yeah. I know that, you know, beyond the politics that exists with them not being able to get access to US technology and, you know, sell products in North America. But beyond that, there's the politics of basically walking the party line, right? And that yep. is why they are not able to, you know, be public about the fact that clearly Harmony OS is a fork of Android, right? Like mm -hmm. they will not say that. <laughs> we have proof it is. And so what they're, they're you know, basically messages, we, we made our own OS. And so now that makes us, you know, more independent or whatever. And that's, I mean, you obviously you can use Android because there's open source as a right. solid base to make your own OS. But this clearly looks like, you know, it could be called, you know, the next version of Android for uh, Huawei because this is the first phone officially launched with Harmony OS. And we also know Harmony OS is a series of OSs, right? Like they're not just the phone one. There's also like the watch one. Like they're different versions yes. of different OSs that are working on different kernels and not just necessarily Linux. Some of them are real-time OS-based, like the watch ones. So I think... Harmony OS is a very big umbrella thing, but when we talk about Harmony OS on phones, we all know it's an Android clone, but they don't admit that. So for them, it's a big rah 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 that they have their first phones in Harmony OS. So yeah, indeed. But what got me excited here is that excited and kind of like wowed was like Snapdragon 88. So they're going to be shipping some phones with a Kirin 9000, I think in their local market at first. And when they run out, it looks like for the rest of the global market, at least, and probably in-house in China as well, going to switch over to Snapdragon 888, but with 4G only. So 5G disabled, it looks like. Ouch. 
I mean, well, well you know, and, and this is this is one of those like on paper that feels like that hurts. But in like practice and in reality, you know, we were just talking about it on on all about Android just this last Tuesday, like just the fact that 5G, you know, continues to be this thing that we're seeing more and more uh, phones supporting. Oh, yeah. Uh, so it's becoming less and less of a challenge for consumers to just happen to have a phone that supports it. And even when I see 5G on my phone, it's not like my experience is any different. I don't perceive any difference. And I don't know if it's any faster or any slower. I haven't tested it lately. But regardless, anything that I'm doing really doesn't, at the end of the day, require those faster speeds. So it's no. kind of a moot point. So not having 5G is painful on paper, I would say, because there are going to be some people that look at this and go, oh, well, but that's the future. Why would I buy a phone that doesn't you know, support the future? Um, but the practicality is that it kind of doesn't matter. <laughs> it yeah, really it doesn't. doesn't matter so much. But for a company that has is together with Qualcomm, one of the pioneers in 5G, this, this has got to hurt. Like, yeah. it's got to feel difficult to be able to Absolutely. articulate that. But I think they have to because, well, you know, otherwise they, they can't no get those choice. Qualcomm chips. Basically, yep. they, that's the deal. Like they, they can get Qualcomm chips as long as they don't use the five G part. So there you go. Um, in terms of the phones, there's a P50 and a P50 Pro. The P50 Pro has a six point six inch AMOLED, one hundred twenty hertz, and it's like that weird resolution that they've been using for a while now that slots between 1080p and 1440p, meaning 2K. So it's like 1228 or whatever, 1224p, like depending on the panel you're looking at. The uh, P50 has a 90 hertz, a slightly smaller 6.5 inch version of that. Batteries are 4360 and 4100 milliamp hours. And of course, 66 watt charging, 50 watt wireless, IP68, all that stuff. I'm not going to go through the RAM choices and storage because you know it's pretty much what you'd expect. And there's probably nano memory as well, which is their implementation of micro SD using a nano SIM form factor, which is very clever. And by the way, open source, so nobody else is using it. I wish people like other companies would jump on that. It's such a clever idea, you know? But then what's really interesting to me is the cameras because the P-series is a P for photography. That's always been what it is. Mm. And this this has got my, this is making my eye, my eyebrows rise a lot because <laughs> hear me out for a second here, Jason, okay? So I don't know how much you know about the P-40 and the Mate 40 last year, but basically they've been going to these RYYB uh, main sensors, which are super light sensitive, right? Uh, 40 and 50 megapixels over time. So that's what we have here for the main. But I'm not 100% sure it's RYYB. I can't find any. So have they gone back to RGB? We're not sure. But they were, they were, they're the ones who started the arms race on ultra wides having high pixel counts. So they went with 20 at first, and then they went to 40 last year. And so we were all expecting they'd stick with that. But no, they'd gone down to 13 megapixel for their ultra wide. And we're like, 13? Hmm. What? And so, but it's wider. Like, so the biggest problem they had with these large sensors, making ultra wide with a large sensor, is that you can't have a very wide field of view because, you know, you get that Z depth issue of, yeah, of the sensor right. being big. So, so this is interesting. But I have a feeling I know what they're doing to get their resolution from it. They have a 40 megapixel dedicated monochrome sensor. Do you remember how they did that for a while? Mm -hmm. Up to the P20, there was always a sister monochrome sensor matching the main sensor. Right. So they've gone back to that here. And then completely out of left field, we have a 64 megapixel, been down to 16, of course, 4 to 1, 3.5 times optical zoom, which is like, okay. That's like me 
11 Ultra gray, like Mi 11 Ultra has a 48 megapixel 5X telephoto. But so far we haven't announced a P50 Plus with dual telephoto like they did the P40 Plus last year. So maybe mm-hmm. that's happening, maybe it's not happening. But it's an interesting choice of cameras. It's got me scratching my head and really wanting to try it out now. That's the takeaway. When you're talking about those monochrome, remind me remind me what the benefit of the monochrome was to the old camera system. Uh, dynamic range and low light. So okay. that's also why I'm thinking maybe they switched to a 50 megapixel main sensor that's RGB instead of RYYB and they're getting their image dynamic range data augmented by the monochrome sensor. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also, also, also lets you do, because you don't, now you don't have to have the, the Bayer filter, right? So you can have big pixels that are just dedicated to gathering light and nothing else. Right. But the other thing that's interesting is that you can now do monochrome photography, which if you, you know, this is a Leica branded camera system. And if you're Leica, monochrome photography has always been one of the things you do. So I think this is interesting. And that's why I want to see how it develops, especially that ultra wide. They, they get a wider field of view, but how are they going to get the level of detail they used to have? I bet you by augmenting with the 40 megapixel is what I'm thinking. And then the, the, the non-pro has a... 50 megapixel main sensor as well, and has a 12 megapixel telephoto, which is five times optical, and a 13 megapixel ultra wide again. So it looks like they've gone to 13 megapixel ultra wides. That's the thing now. So there you go. And there's the design choice that we're seeing more and more of of the large circular. Yeah. On the, I mean, the, with multiple lenses inside. We're seeing more and more of these phones doing this. Yeah. Actually, it looks really cool. You know, I, <laughs> yeah, I love does. the design. Yeah. I like it. The prices really quickly um, are, I mean, these are Chinese prices, $927 for the Pro and uh, $695 for the normal. Clearly, they're aiming for flagship here, and I'm sure these are like aluminum, glass, all the things, super, super refined, like the 40 and the 30 and the 20 before that. Mm. So, I'm look, I'm excited simply because photography, and, you know, last year I reviewed the P40 Pro Plus. I reviewed it for Gear Diary six months in. After using it for six months, and not as a main phone, I can't. It doesn't have GMS, I can't right. do it. But man, that camera, I still think it beats the S21 Ultra. And the S21 Ultra, as you know, is a freaking monster. It is. But the P40 Pro Plus, just it does things that we've never, like it blends multiple sensors in a way that nobody else does. And I think that was part of the Kirin special sauce too. I'm not sure they're going to be able to do quite the same thing with the 888, which is possibly why the camera setup here is looking very different is because they oh, might not that's interesting remember yeah. they can't run their own algorithms because they, they don't have their own isp and as, as a very highly integrated company it was all very much everything into their control before that right like yes Apple. indeed absolutely so it'll be interesting to see how this develops i hope we don't see a step backwards in terms of image performance but um speaking of chinese phones uh, I have to mention the Poco X3 GT. I have a review unit coming. By the way, I have a P50 review unit of some kind coming sometime. I don't know when, but immediately coming very in the next few days, I have a Poco X3 GT with a MediaTek Dimensity 1100, which is not the top chip. There's a 1200, but look, this is going to be a, a pretty fast phone. And the reviews so far seem to say that this is super quick. And wow, I'm, I'm always on board for a, for an affordable quick phone. <laughs> I've heard so much, so much um, excitement and energy around the Poco uh, brand. Uh, you know, it's great. once again, and as with you know, a lot of the brands that actually we're talking about in today's show, I have not had firsthand experience with any of the Pocos, but I've heard, I've certainly heard a lot of people who talk very highly 
of the experience. What is it about, what do you think, um, just touching on a comment you made as far as MediaTek and liking what they're doing lately, you know, I'm, I'm still, I'm still kind of stung by this like legacy belief that my experiences with MediaTek phones in years past has always been, you know, subpar and, and, you know, and has been limited in a number of ways. What has, what has changed? What has changed for you? As far as that's well, concerned. I think that I feel that there was a transition with when they rebrand them the chips from Helio to Dimensity, basically the five G chipset. There mm-hmm. was a big change there where they really tried to. I, I mean, first of all, I don't think their chips were ever terrible. They just didn't have any like flagship level chips. They always had like right, the, right, the right, G ninety five, which is like their top four G chip, and and the P ninety. These chips were. They're Helio, right? They they were 4G chips, and they were they were like Snapdragon 720, 730 series chips, like in terms of comparison benchmarks. One of the things about MediaTek is that I think they got a bit of a leg up on Qualcomm and AI, and that started to show with Dimensity chips. And so, if you did, if you ran them on some things like gaming or image processing, all of a sudden they performed better. So, um, you know, that's kind of like basically if you look at the velvet last year lg mm-hmm. there's two versions right there's a snapdragon 765g version for at&t and verizon and all the international unlocked and then yep. t-mobile got their hands on a slightly more affordable uh dimensity i think it was an i don't remember a thousand or 900 i think it was a thousand and it was more affordable with ex- and i did a benchmark on this for hot hardware exactly pretty much the same level of performance and in terms of feel, the same level, the same experience, but also it had a slightly better AI scores. So mm. whether that matters to you, I don't know. But the point is that MediaTek is certainly at least in the mid range now, and I think the 700 series is kind of lower flagship, like affordable flagship as right. well, right? We can't right. just at least on the higher end of the 700 series, you can't just say it's a mid range chip anymore. I feel like premium mid, <laughs> mid range, premium mid, like yeah. That. <laughs> Totally. So I think that MediaTek has, has been able to to hold its own there. And I think with the 1100 and the 1200, they're kind of stepping into the toes of an 800 series a little bit. I don't think they're quite there yet. I feel like they're probably at 865 levels, which, mm-hmm. I mean, come on, Qualcomm makes mm-hmm. an 870 chip, which is an X65 plus plus, right, as right. I like to call it. Like, so, I mean, at that point, you know... And look, I'd also don't, I want to say that, you know, I love the, obviously the Qualcomm chips, but the 888 has been a little disappointing. Not, not because it, it's slow. It's really fast. It's definitely an improvement in performance over last year. But you look at the thermals and the energy consumption, and it's a disaster comparatively. Like mm. every 888 phone I've been benchmarking because I, for hot hardware, my reviews, I have to benchmark. I'm like, what is going on here? Like compared to the 865, it's just sucking juice out of the battery and just like killing the, like, some phones are literally too hot to hold <laughs> it's like do you remember back when the 810 was it that that one chip that was really hot 808 yeah do right, you right. remember that yeah i think I it's kind of like i mean it's not as bad as that because that i think there was some really big issues here but i think they're kind of skirting at the edge of what's feasible practically speaking and that's why you know we have that that big scandal of one plus and the throttling right yeah and yeah. then if you look at when you do the benchmarks of the galaxy s21 if you run like a 20 minute sustained load benchmark you literally see a seesaw like it's like speeding up slowing down speeding up slowing because it has to slow down to cool right 
Right. Very few, like in 865 land, you see the benchmarks, like they very linearly decrease over time. Like they lose like 1% to 2% of their CPU performance over 20 minutes. With with the S21, you literally see it drop 10, 15, 20% performance, then go back up. Like it's like, mm-hmm. whoa. And, and maybe, you know, you won't notice that when you're gaming long-term. Maybe you won't feel it. I don't know. Like benchmarks don't speak the whole story for sure. Absolutely. But I feel like MediaTek, can bring a lot to the table here. And honestly, if you look at like the low end, they're still king. Like the 700, which is the cheapest 5G chip they make, just runs circle around the the 480 for the same price or less even. Mm -hmm. Like if you're going to buy like one of those really cheap Poco or Redmi phones and you have the choice between a MediaTek 700 and a Snapdragon 480, honestly, pick the MediaTek because like it's just way better. Okay. Like you can feel it. So that's been my experience. Yeah. So, so the Poco, what stands out here to me is a $299 phone, okay? So you're like, okay. So in your head, you're immediately like going, Moto G, right? No, 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 no. Look at the specs on this. 120 hertz, 1080p uh, display, but it's granted, it's an LCD, it's an IPS, right? Mm-hmm. But that's not bad. It's got a f- 8 megapixel ultra wide and 2 megapixel macros and a 64 megapixel main. I mean, all these phones that pretty much have like the, what I call like the sticker cams, like the 2 megapixel, like they might as well be stickers or useless cameras, right? But <laughs> but that's part of what the market demands. But yeah. look, 5,000 milliamp hour battery, 67 watt charging, you know, um, 8 gigs of RAM, 128 gig or 256 gigs of storage. And at this price, you're like, how is that even possible? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Basically, you're going to get the same performance out of this as you get out of like the, the recently released Nord 2, right? Because the Nord 2 has a Dimensity 1200 and it's more expensive than that, right? <laughs> so this is like just, Pogo is just kind of going, how low can we go and still deliver this level of performance? And that's what's interesting about Poco is that you get a lot of bang for your buck, basically. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Awesome. Of course, if you import one of those, I'm giving you a heads up for those of you who came here because of Jason and don't know this because I keep preaching this on the podcast all the time, is you're not going to get 5G support in the U.S. It'll work. You'll be on LTE, though. So, Which right now, not, not, not that big yeah. a deal. But These phones are pretty great, though, if you, you know, if, you, if you want to save a buck and you know you're only going to keep it for six months or a year or whatever and you want something interesting. Yeah. And Poco is part of Xiaomi. And mm-hmm. Xiaomi has really, really gotten it down in terms of imaging performance. So they're f- the cameras are really good on these phones. Like, you know, this thing doesn't have OIS. Don't expect like, don't expect flagship level of performance. But look, even the OnePlus 9 doesn't have OIS anymore. Like, so, I mean, you know, like it means that it's going to be a little softer in low light, but you're going to have to really pixel peep to see the difference. So what I'm trying to say is that, you know, some brands are still, like Moto, I think, still hasn't managed to make a camera to save its life to be competitive with the rest of the world yet at the <laughs> level that they're trying to play, right? Yeah, yeah. But, and OnePlus is close, but Xiaomi has shown like with the Mi 11 Ultra and stuff that they are, they're up there with Apple and, and you know, Google and Huawei and, and Samsung now. And whether that's going to translate into the Poco X3 GT, I don't know. Like, yeah. I mean, it's obviously more affordable, right? You're not going to get the same optics and, and sensor quality here than you get on a flagship, but they do make flagships, so... No matter what, we're spoiled in in uh, in cameras as far as these phones are concerned, especially like in this price range. It, it used to be that if it, it was a three hundred dollar phone, like give up as far as as far as expecting <laughs> oh, a, yeah, any sort right? of photo quality. And wow, how that I has not changed. We've really come a long way there. Yeah. Uh, the next one I want to talk about, and again, this is about a specific technology. 
This is the Axon 35G with a second gen under display camera. So last year, the Axon 25G, I think it was, had the first, at least first sold publicly under display camera and the quality was coming out of the camera was pretty poor. And more importantly, you could see the area. If you look carefully, like at certain angles, right. you could really see the cutout. Like it was a little uncanny valley looking and not quite, you know, polished enough yet. You got to start somewhere. <laughs> well, ZTE could say we're first, right? That right. That's kind of what they wanted. Yeah. So, so that was the shtick. So with this one, I haven't seen it. I have a review unit coming in, so I'll let you know. But this is supposedly double the pixel density in the area where the camera is. So the transition should be smoother between the normal density and the UDC density. And then uh. hopefully they've improved the algorithms because the problem is it's a de-screening problem. You know? you know when you scan old magazines and you get all these little dots and pixels yep. on your, from your scanner? Um, it's a, essentially an aliasing problem. That's what happens here. And so there's algorithms. We've perfected this years ago to remove the, you know, the dots. But do you, how well do you do that? Because these dots are out of focus, right? They're in front of you. So it's basically, you know, the problem of you shoot from the airport window and you get all the raindrops get in your way and you get mm -hmm. a kind of crappy picture because of it. That's mm -hmm. exactly the problem you're having to solve here. But with pixels in front of you, and like transparent display pixels instead of like pseudo transparent display pixels instead of having uh, dirt or stuff. And there's algorithms for demosaicing and stuff that work, but they do reduce the image quality. So the question is, have they able to find the compromise, right? Like I'm not expecting this thing to be, you know, as good as like the selfie coming out of a pixel right now. <laughs> Cause as you know, the pixel selfies are freaking amazing, mm -hmm. but I think that hopefully it's better than the crap that came out of the original <laughs> cause it was bad, you know? And well, and, and again, they had to start somewhere. I feel like right now the in-display camera is, you know, where the in-display fingerprint sensor was a few years back. You know, the, the first implementations of these oh, things are bad. always awful. Uh -huh. And yeah. it really does not take that long to get to a, a, a point. And we're kind of like right on on target with that, right? Like just one year later, you've doubled the pixels per inch on that area. You know, and then now we have, you know, news of, of more phones kind of getting in on this. The more minds kind of focused on this, the better. Exactly. The Z Fold 3 to me is the one right. that supposedly right. has under display camera, four megapixel for, you know, the main screen. And if Samsung's doing it at that price point. They're going to make it look. All right. You bet yeah. that the second gen is at least okay, right? Like yep. they have to use, they can't be using. I don't think there's their own special sauce here. I think that it's like in display fingerprint sensors, there's just basically going to be two or three players making those. Yep, and yep. maybe Samsung's making their own and it's different than uh, ZTs, but I don't know. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, totally agree. The, the rest of the specs on this are, are, you know, like pretty standard, but notice also the aesthetics of this, the, the dual round circle containing multiple yep. cameras thing going there's on. That, that it theme, seems to yep. be a, a very Trend. kind of popular aesthetic. But look, you're looking at, you know, 64 megapixel main sensor in the back. You have uh, the pricing 338. Uh, that's the starting price for the 6, 128 gigabyte and 476 for the 12, 256. And it's got an AMOLED panel, which is nice. Obviously, you need that from under Very display nice. anything. Yep. So 120 hertz refresh rate. That's nice, too. It's a 1080p panel, of course. And I'm trying to figure out what the uh, actual chips is in here, but... I'm pretty sure it's like a Snapdragon 870 or something like that. 
Yeah. So look, I mean, again, this is China for now. It's probably going to come to the rest of the the markets here, but I think that uh, it's interesting to see this development, right? Yeah, it is. And I mean, we're we're going to start, you know, as you mentioned, Samsung getting into the under display uh, camera. That's going to really, um, really inspire and motivate a lot of other manufacturers to start getting in on this trend. So I think the next year uh, to year and a half, we're going to see some really interesting kind of acceleration in this in the technology that is allowing for this. Um, so yeah, this time next year, I'm going to be su- I'm going to be super interested to see kind of what uh, because I think by then. Any of the quirks, most of the quirks are going to be figured out as far as it's concerned. Exactly. So we're coming close and closer back to North America now with the Moto Edge 20 series. Now, this has been launched globally now. We This is not a U.S. announcement, but we know this phone has been leaked and rumored for a while. And we know it's coming. We know that we're going to get this phone at some point. One of these, at least. We don't know which one, though. The Edge 20 series is basically the flagship series for Moto. And we have three phones right now. You know, the Edge 20 the Edge 20 Pro, the Edge 20 Lite. You know, one of them is powered by a Snapdragon 870 processor. Again, the Snapdragon 870, think of it as a 865++. And if you want the kind of best balance between performance and battery life and thermals, I think it might be a better choice than the 888 in many cases. So Hmm. keep that in mind for those of you who are keeping tabs out there. Uh, So anyway, in terms of their designs and prices, they're like... I don't know if they're true flagships like last year, though. Maybe the Pro is, but the rumors are we're only getting the Edge 20 in the US. Mm. So at that point, it'll be more of a upper mid-range phone, right? Mm-hmm. 108 megapixel rear camera on all three of those. You know, basically, they're trying to follow with what they did last year, which was their big shtick. 6.7-inch OLED, right? So it seems that in terms of display, they all seem to have the same specs and everything. So that's interesting. All right, let's see. The 20 Pro has 144 hertz refresh rate. That's, you know, pretty bonkers. 12 gigs of RAM, all right? And that, uh, in addition to that 108 megapixel, there's a 8 megapixel 5X telephoto periscope and a 16 megapixel ultra wide. And then, uh, you know, batteries, eh, looks like 4,500 milliamp hour. That doesn't seem too great. 5,000 on the uh, light. Yeah, I mean... It's interesting how some companies are just going like Poco, like 5,000, 6,000 milliamp hour, like <laughs> routine on some of their phones. They're just yeah. not messing about, you know? Yeah. But look, it looks pretty good. And then um, I guess the, the the non-pro, the Edge 20, also gets 144 hertz display. Okay. Oh, so that one has a Snapdragon 778. And it has an 8 megapixel 3X telephoto instead of a Periscope 5X. So that's like uh, the big difference. And then the light is MediaTek Dimensity. Aha. Mm-hmm, there Interesting. You go again. They didn't say which one, though. Like, it just says 5G-B. But it's got to be more... Like, it's got to have... It has to have a number if it's a Dimensity. It's going to be like 800, 900, 700. Well, probably not going to be that low. But it might be an 1100 or 1000 or something. Hmm. And then... So they all have a 6.7 OLED, but this has a 90 hertz. So you're going a little... Prices are... Well, let's see. We've got... The Pro here at $830. The non-Pro is $590. So that's the one we can expect in the US. Of course, not as aggressively priced. Right. And then we've got the $415 for the light. So, you know, I don't know. 
Do you find excitement in the Motorola phones no. these days? I find it really hard to get excited about Motorola phones right now, and which is which is such a bummer because, man, at one point they were all the excitement as far as I was concerned, and uh, right now it's just it's uh, you know they've they've kind of hit this saturation point where. Every time they release, they release with just so many different variants that it's it's almost it's almost hard to track. It's hard to track everything that's going on, uh, and as a result, it kind of becomes less exciting. I mean, these look like fine phones, but that's just it. They look like fine phones. <laughs> yeah, you know what yeah. I mean. And I'm honestly worried that I'm I'm you know, it's kind of hard to tell from the photos that these are aluminum and glass because one of yeah. the things that make the Edge series last year is so nice with that they didn't skimp on premium materials and build quality, right? Yeah. Like, don't get me wrong. A lot of people put their phones in cases. It's because of the endless debate. Is plastic bad? No, it's not. But it depends how you do it. And unfortunately, right now, my biggest gripe is when when companies try to emulate glass or emulate metal with their frames or their back panels to look like glass or metal, they just don't like it. Do plastic unapologetically, right? If you're going to do it, that's how you want to do it. So, yeah. Or vegan leather. Which you have the option here. Exactly, 100%. (laughs) Well, it's interesting to me though here, Jason, is that all three of them don't have an edge. Remember the thing about the edge was that it had a curved display. Yeah. They're really a waterfall on the side. And they're called edge yet, well, they don't have an edge display, which honestly I prefer. That is interesting. I prefer it too, totally. I've totally come around on that. There was a time where I thought that waterfall (laughs) thing was pretty neat, but now like it just gets in the way. I find it interesting though that that's the direction they're going. And definitely the light one looks like plastic and plastic to me. Like it just looks like another Moto G to me. Yeah. And that's the thing you're right. You know, you were saying you can't get excited. And then like, I want to, because I know they can. Like, again, like we talked about this a little bit, you know, earlier. It's like, the Edge Plus last year was a really nice phone, but b- that partnership with Verizon just killed it for so many people. Mm. And, it, and you know, at that price point, you could buy a Samsung Galaxy or an iPhone on another carrier. So, of course, you weren't going to get the Edge. And then the cameras were good for a Moto, but they weren't good enough to play with the rest of the team. You right. know what I'm saying? Totally. And, totally. and, and then you're like, okay, like, how we keep repeating these things year after year. I mean, I was so glad they came out with a flagship last year. Finally, a flagship from Moto. But and and now I feel I feel like they they kind of got more negative reviews because of the partnership with Verizon. The cameras not quite being up to scratch, and the sales didn't reflect their expectations. And now mm. they're kind of regrouping away and kind of going more premium mid range or affordable flagship with these. And I'm like. No, like what you need to do is what OnePlus did, go all out, right? Mm -hmm. What you need to do is just come out with a phone, like what we, the rumors we're hearing about the Pixel 6 Pro, like just do it and stop this Verizoning all the time. Like, yeah, they can't help themselves though. They can't, they can't help themselves with Verizon. (laughs) And I think the the only way they can get a phone in a carrier right now is through Verizon. I think AT&T and T-Mobile are not going to touch them with a 10 foot pole, right? Yeah. Uh, anyway, then there is the Nokia XR20 rugged phone. The only reason I brought that one up is because it's finally official and out and available and all that stuff. And I have no issues with that phone whatsoever. I'm 100% on board with this phone. The specs are fine. The, you know, the ruggedness is good. You know, uh, it's arguable that you can probably get similar ruggedness in everyday life with a good, like, a outer good case. box case yep. or something. Absolutely. But, you know, this has been tested to be thermally stable at high temperature and, like, in the 
the water for a while and things that probably the other case might not be able to withstand, granted. But where I have a problem with this phone, and this is what kills it for me, is the price. $550 for a Snapdragon 480. Mm. Like, well, how do you how do you tell that story? How do you market this? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, this is this is not that far out of the realm of what we've seen as far as rugged phones are concerned, though, which probably speaks to exactly what you were saying as far as just getting a good OtterBox case and getting a decent phone for the same price range. Because rugged phones more often than not, at least in my experience, are way more expensive than your traditional phone, obviously, because you're paying for that ruggedness and Mm -hmm. way less spec. You almost, you know, so so often I look up a rugged phone, I'm like, oh, wow, it's running Android 10 or something, you know, something's afoot, you know, or the the processor is, you know, two years old, even though it's being released today. And you're like, okay, well, you're starting with a severe disadvantage if if you're buying into that now. And then coupled with the price tag, which is always just more than what you're used to paying for a phone with similar specs on the inside granted again you're buying it for the ruggedness so is that valuable enough to you to over to overlook the all the other places that it falls flat it's a hard sell when 500 dollars buys you something like the phone that you know i'm reviewing for hot hardware right now the red magic 6r which is a 500 dollar essentially affordable flagship slash gaming phone hybrid. Yeah. It doesn't have the shoutiness of a gaming phone. It looks more like a normal flagship, but it has the guts, like it has trigger buttons and stuff. And it's 500 US dollars. It's sold officially in the US. It has 5G for the US and it has a Snapdragon 888. Now you're going to say it's not rugged, right? And it's the opposite extreme. Like, you know, the software isn't really that great on that phone. Like you're not going to get updates. You know, it's, 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 it's Nubia. It's red magic, right? Whereas, you know, with Nokia, you're going to get the updates and stuff. But like, when you look at the disparity in specs between these two, it, it makes this rugged, this, this ping for the ruggedness part even more egregious, in my opinion. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think anybody needs it. And the few people who need it, we have specialized companies that make these rugged phones for them, yeah. right? Like Kyocera with the DuraForce series or, or Bullet, which makes the cat phones in the UK, right? So right. Nokia getting into this, I, they're not very competitive in price to start with Nokia in the US. And yet they should be because they're made in China, even though they're a Finnish company, right? And and so like what they should be thriving is to be more competitive and get some of that piece of the pie that OnePlus is eating. OnePlus and Moto right now are eating alive the mid-range because they're doing really good work there, especially OnePlus. And with LG dropping out, you'd think Nokia would be more aggressive on regularly priced phones, regular non-rugged pricing, right? And they're mm-hmm. not. Instead, they're coming out with this thing that like... I can buy so many better phones and put them in an otter box, even a $50 otter box for than this. Right. And yes, it won't be officially as good in terms of mil spec, but come on. 550 for a Snapdragon 480. I just can't get over that. Yeah. It's just me. You do have the uh the updates though, that and I think that's yeah, that's yeah. good to see more more companies, you know, buckling down on the three years of updates. Hundred uh, percent, and and they're good phones. There's no doubt. They feel nice. They have you know Android One, like really, really great. And the cameras are decent. And this has wireless charging. This has Qi, so that's a nice little bonus, right? Very nice. But I'm still like, I've having used the 480. It's just like it's just not fast enough. Like mm. you really need to step up to the 690 at least, and potentially. And this is where they should have gone with MediaTek 700, and the phone would be 450. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But they're not going to do it because they're in bed with Qualcomm or whatever it is. Anyway, um, quickly, there are rumors that we're not getting a OnePlus 9T this year. Okay. I think that's a chip shortage thing. Must be. 
I'm not crying about it. Like, I, you know, you, you, I don't know if you've had a chance to listen to my raves and rants about the nine series, but look, to me, the nine is, is a failure. The nine pro is the phone. Uh, but the nine pro is also hard to justify when the galaxy S 21 ultra is so good this year and discounted all the time. Mm. Right. Yeah. That's a really good point. I did like the nine pro. Like, I think the nine pro by itself, there's nothing wrong with it. It's super competitive, but then you look at what Samsung is doing with discounts and, you know, and stuff. And it's just, you can't just justify the nine pro anymore, especially since you can't only buy the high end nine pro the nine. The reason the nine is a failure in my opinion is plastic frame and the lack of OIS on the main camera, unacceptable, unacceptable at that price point, even for an affordably, it's not even an affordable flagship. It's like the Galaxy S20 fan edition exists. And that's yeah. all I have to say. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and the, right the S21 fan edition is coming. And OnePlus, I'm not expecting OnePlus to be the value leader anymore, but this is worse than not being the value leader, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. This is like an inferior product. Yes, in everyday life, you're not going to notice it too much. You're going to not feel the plastic, and the OIS is only really going to matter in extreme fringe cases. It's just the principle of it. Like, this is OnePlus. Why are you compromising so much? Like, you're doing so well in the low end, honestly, comparatively, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I mean... And they're selling like hotcakes. Apparently, like T-Mobile is just selling OnePlus N series, Nord N series. Like they can't keep them in stock, so that's, that's working. Great. But great. but don't forget us, the fans and the ones who are willing to spend a thousand dollars on a OnePlus Nine Pro. I'd like to see some aggressive discounts for the OnePlus Nine Pro to bring it like a hundred dollars less than the. S21 Ultra, and then, you know, yeah. you, you would actually find, like, you'd have to think twice, right? And then the OnePlus 9, I think, is just like, they need to, the OnePlus 10 needs to fix the issues of the OnePlus 9 being so decontented, I think, that's all. Yeah. Well, I'm curious yeah. to know if if the 9T and the 9T Pro are not a thing this year. And I agree. I, I think it has something to do with the chip shortage more than OnePlus, you know, changing its strategy entirely. But how do they is there a void to then fill uh for you know OnePlus users who may have been waiting for the 9T? And does OnePlus end up low doing what you're talking about, lowering the price of the 9 Pro to kind of fill that void? And yeah. I mean, they're going to have to because the void is going to get filled by the Galaxy S21 Fan Edition. You know yeah, it. Yeah, right. Yeah. When that thing comes out in the fall, it, it, you know, it's been back and forth because of sh supply issues, but now it's back on track. So it, it's not going to come until like the fall because we're not going to see a, the event on the 11th or anything mm -hmm. like that. But look, I think I'm not going to you know, shed a tear over this. I just want to let folks know if, if you're looking to wait for the 9T right now, I think you might want to just go and buy a 9 Pro, call it right. a day. Yep. Um, and then Microsoft Surface Duo 2 leaks. So finally, a Surface Duo with NFC, supposedly, and with uh, cameras that are not just afterthoughts. Yep. And and a modern processor, like not last year's processor, like the previous one. Right. <laughs> so are, are you excited about that? Like, were you excited I, about the original? Like the concept of it anyway? Yeah, I, I like the concept of the original. I don't know how much it really lit, you know, the world on fire. It didn't didn't seem to um, to do that. But I'm happy that Microsoft's sticking to it because at the end of the day, I think these these alternative form factors, they're important. 
Uh, they might not be where you know everybody is necessarily, but I think they, they they go a long way to informing a lot of things about development and design in other facets of of Android and and hardware and everything. And and to see Microsoft kind of not give up on the Duo uh, after last year, like yes, of course I'm I'm excited to see if they can come out with a second and kind of undo some of the shortcomings of the first one and uh, get some excitement around that because I think I think it filled a small a small niche need for some people to have a dual screen phone or, or mobile no unit. i'm with you on this yeah. I, i'm excited that they didn't give up right like yeah. you know look they got a lot of kind of negative reviews because it took them so much time it took to so much the time first gen exactly that by the time they shipped it it just seemed like last you know last year's phone in many ways and the cameras no matter what, cameras are very critical to a phone, even though a lot of people carry two phones these days. Like you can't, you can't, right? Especially at that price point. And no NFC. Again, you're not gonna this is more of a tablet type thing. You're not necessarily gonna use it for mobile payment. But in a right. post-pandemic world, the writing is on the wall, as I keep telling Moto with a G series that don't have NFC. God yeah yeah anyway you need nfc and so obviously it would have to have that as a flagship device i'm really excited to see where they take it i'm excited to see if they can still pull off this super thin super premium vibe that they had on the original and bring us maybe even a small camera bump like with these uh these leaks suggest that has something in there that doesn't have to be like think think galaxy z fold series right like where right. it's like the current middle of the range of the flagship world in terms of performance so it still plays with the you know still competitive enough that you'll be perfectly satisfied but it doesn't act like the breeding edge mega size sensors and and like the telephotos with the periscope and anything like that you know what i'm saying yeah if they can play in that i think they're good and then what about pricing because the original launched at fourteen hundred dollars uh, for what you were getting at that time, that still felt expensive. And granted, any of the foldables right now, they feel justified on jacking up the price. But I mean, on something like this, I feel like it has to be a lot less just out of the gate. Like get your users on board, eight ninety nine or something. You know what I mean? Oh wow, yeah. I think it's more going to be a thousand or eleven hundred. But I think it probably be, it will be. Yeah, it'll depend on what the Z Fold three costs. I think this is, mm. th- you know, yeah, Samsung setting the pace here, and so. True. We have rumors that they're not going to go for whatever it is, $2,000 this time again. So maybe if they're down to, what, like 1500 or something, or, mm-hmm. you know, then Duo is going to have to be 1100 right? Like, right. we'll see. We'll see what happens. I really don't know what to think. And again, Microsoft has the luxury that they're not, they're a niche and they're not totally. really competing exactly. They're kind of trying to do their own thing. And so they can probably have that, freedom of being a little more expensive um whereas i think samsung is trying to push you know i don't know if you saw that trailer that that they uh issued but it's like they're really talking about you know we've gone from like the the brick phone on your ear to you know the phone with a dial pad to the rectangle of glass and metal that we currently all use and this is the this is where we're going now and this is what we're going to show you and this is where we want to be leaders that's kind of the message i got out of that uh that uh, little teaser video they published for their 11th event. So I think we're going to see some presently more aggressive pricing from Samsung. And, you know, another year or so, like I think the Z Flip is going to be the tipping point, right? Like I think the Z Flip series, like this Z Flip 3 or whatever it's going to be called, 
we're going to start seeing the below or potentially the below $1000 price point on a folding phone and if we do that then Moto first of all is completely effed with the next Razer because there's no way they can compete in terms of quantities but more importantly the Z Flip was already a better phone last year and both versions, the 5G and the 4G version. And I think that that's going to become a very viable phone for a lot of people yeah. because they don't necessarily need something that turns into a tablet, but no. something that's more compact that you throw in your purse, right? That opens up to be the same size as like a, a flagship 6.7, 6.8 inch full display. Yeah, People are going to want that. Absolutely. And that's going to be, I think, when we think folding phones and going more mainstream, to me, it's not the fold, it's the flip I think about, mm. right? Yeah. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. I think the, uh, the everyday use case, yeah, people aren't thinking as much about like, I wish my phone could turn into a large screen, you know, a tablet. I mean, there, there are some people obviously, and they're going to, they're going to buy the fold, but, um, the flip is really, really what it's all about. We're, you know, we love our large phones, but we don't love that they take, they occupy so much space. And, uh, so that kind of solves both, both of those issues there. Indeed. So wrapping up, we have one last item. I just, you know, we mentioned MediaTek earlier and I just want to make, you know, people have to understand that like they are really trying to push higher end. And, uh, you know, there's a news item here of uh, they've launched a tablet specific chipset called the Companio, Companio with a K, 1300T. And essentially, if you look at the specs, it is very similar to the Dimensity 1200, which is their flagship phone chip. So this is with tablets, it's got 5G support, and it can handle slightly higher resolutions up to 2K displays at 1440p at 120 hertz instead of just 1080p like the Dimensity 1200. Essentially, it's just a lot of it is going to be commonality with the 1200, but it's designed for tablets. And, <laughs> you know, MediaTek makes a lot of the chips we find in our earbuds and in our, you know, home speakers and echo speakers in our homes and a lot of like basically routers and stuff like that. They're pretty much everywhere. And a lot of the more affordable tablets in the past and some Chromebooks and Chrome tablets have had these MediaTek chips. So it's critical for them to be a player in this field. And so it's good to see that they have a product now for like the more high end, something that could compete with a Snapdragon 800 series in a tablet, basically, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I'm curious about this. Curious to know what what are the devices that this will be uh, arriving in. Yeah, that's going to be the big question. So anyway, it's just it just wanted to mention it since we talked a lot about MediaTek today. Um, you know, again, like I think you're right. There's this weird thing out there. A lot of people think of MediaTek as a second rate thing, yet they're surrounded by MediaTek products all the all the like almost all the TVs are powered MediaTek. The set top boxes, mm. the routers, the home speakers. As I said, it's like they're everywhere and. They're doing some interesting things on the smartphone business. I, I, you know, wish, I mean, Qualcomm's obviously also doing set-top boxes and speakers and earbuds now and chipset for all those things and watches, right? Obviously. But I think that we might start seeing more MediaTek-based products in the US beyond the Velvet last year. The T-Mobile $200 5G phone, the cheapest 5G phone in the US, the Revel V Plus okay. is powered by MediaTek 700. Uh, which is, as I said, better than a 480, in my opinion, and cheaper. So it's it's starting to happen, and it's inevitable as the U.S. carriers are pushing 5G so hard, especially T-Mobile. They have so much spectrum in 5G. They want everyone to go over to 5G. You can probably walk into a T-Mobile store right now and just say to them, I want 5G, but I don't want to pay for it, and I'll give you a new phone. Like, you can probably work it out with them right on the spot. That's how <laughs> aggressive they are about it. Like, at, at least that's the feeling I get every time I talk to somebody at T-Mobile, right? So yeah, yeah. Keep that in mind if you live in the U.S. 
Well, Jason, we should wrap it up. Do you want to tell folks where they can find you on the internet, like social media and all the other things you do? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Miriam. This has been a lot of fun. Uh, and, and especially, it's always great to get the opportunity to talk about some of the devices and stuff that are coming out that uh, don't get a whole lot of opportunity to talk about. So thank you. Yeah. So Twitter, I would say, at Jason Howell, uh, that's my main like social media presence uh, platform, I would say. And then, yeah, you know, I, I produce and host a whole bunch of content over on Twit, the Twit Network, twit.tv. So find me on All About Android or, you know, uh, Tech News Weekly with Micah Sargent. And then I'm producing a bunch of Leo's shows, including the big show, This Week in Tech, every Sunday. That's twit.tv. Yeah, folks, tune in to twit.tv. It's great. I've did some shows there in the past. I've been on a few times on the show, so Indeed. it's awesome stuff. You should definitely tune in. I love me some twit and some Jason. <laughs> Thank you, Mary. <laughs> Yeah, you're welcome. Folks, you know where to find me on the internet. I'm at Tankerl, that's T-N-K-G-R-L on Twitter and on Instagram. Twitter is where you want to hit me up and Jason up on questions, comments about this show. I'd love to hear your feedback. Also, Instagram is where you'll find pictures of phones and pictures taken with phones. The podcast also has a couple of YouTube channels. YouTube.com slash Mobile Tech Podcast is the main channel. It's where you'll find a lot of unboxing videos, some reviews, some hands-ons, etc. And then there's another channel called YouTube.com slash Mobile Tech More. It's a little quieter, but we've just started this channel, my producer and I, to put all of these things like, you know, these earbuds and all these accessory products that revolve around mobile but don't fit in perfectly, like travel tech and the power banks, all that stuff. We're going to put there. So please like, subscribe, and tell your friends for these two YouTube channels, youtube.com slash mobile tech podcast and youtube.com slash mobile tech more. We'd love that. And uh, the podcast itself lives at mobiletechpodcast.com. So if you want to subscribe, there's an RSS feed there, or you can go to all the big podcasting platforms, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Spotify. We're everywhere. So please subscribe, tell everyone about it. We'd appreciate it. There's a Patreon now, folks. So if you want to see this show on video rather than listen to it with Jason and I just right there, raw, uncut, like just basically from beginning to end with no edits, published the same day, this is your chance to uh, get that on Patreon. We also have a Discord channel, a bunch of other perks. So check it out, patreon.com slash tankerl. That's patreon.com slash T-N-K-G-R-L, like the comic book character without the vowels. Check that out. I want to thank Araja V for being our new patron this week. Thanks, Raja. I hope I didn't butcher your name too much. And yeah, folks, if you want to help, this is one way to do it and you get some extra goodness out of it. But if you don't, there's another way. There is a donate button in the show notes. You can click on it and it goes to PayPal and you can donate. That will also really help. I'd appreciate it. And I want to thank our sponsor, We've got Audible on deck again. They're awesome. They've been with us for years and they have a special deal for you. 30-day free trial. You get to keep a free book if you stay or not. I hope you stay though because Audible is the platform for audiobook. They're fantastic. The URL for this is audibletrial.com slash mobile tech. That's audibletrial.com slash mobile tech. I love to read books, but I don't always have time to read them. So sometimes it's nice to listen to them instead if I'm on a road trip driving or like, you know, my eyes are tired. If you're a delivery driver, you're doing the UPS run and dropping off boxes and you want to listen to something that's a little longer than a podcast, Audible's got you covered. Great selection of both short form 
and long form content. You get, of course, books, you get podcasts, you get a bunch of stuff. Some of the books are read by the authors and some of them are these epic things that last like, you know, nine hours and you can break it down just like you would with a book where you put it down for a little while, you get back to it later. I love me some Audible because of that. So you should try it out. If you're not already using it, consider that. And if you go through this link, audibletrial.com slash mobile tech, you will help Audible help us. So consider that. I want to thank Audible again for being our longtime sponsor. And Jason, thanks again for being on the show. Thank you, Miriam. It's been a lot of fun. Appreciate it. Absolutely. We'll have you on at some time in the future again. And folks, we'll have another show next week. So stay tuned for that. Until then, cheers, everybody. This has been the Mobile Tech Podcast with Tank Girl, proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com. You can visit us online at mobiletechpodcast.com.